good to be here. Glad to be part of this. I told Matthew, if, when I got here, there was four people here. I said, I'm not preaching if there's not at least 25. <laughs> I'm glad all you folks piled in here. <clears throat> I'm just teasing. Yeah, at least 10. We could have just, we could have just went home. I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad that everybody made it. It's, a uh, hey, if there's one in here, 40 in here, I'd stand up here. And preach, I guess that's just what we what we're supposed to do. It wouldn't matter to me, but I'm glad that everybody's here. I won't keep you long today. I don't have a long sermon prepared, so uh, we'll be out of here in a little bit. But I think what I have to, to share with you is important. It's new to me, to some degree, and uh, I think it'll be I think it'll be edifying to the to the body. So, if you have your Bibles with you today, turn them to uh, Ephesians chapter five. And um, that's where we're going to be at. If you got a pen and you're writing your Bibles, keep it handy. I've got something to kind of lay out for you. So if, if you do that, if you don't, you make notes somewhere else. Or if you don't want to write it all, that's, that's your call. But if uh, if you do, I'm just kind of giving you a heads up. So how many people are enjoying the walk through the book of Ephesians? Yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm I'm uh, really having a good good time. I know it takes a long time, but I believe that that's a good thing. I don't think it's such a bad thing. A lot of times we eat so fast that we don't have time to process our food. And um, I think it's the same way or can be the same way with the Bible. I think sometimes none of what we hear ever really sinks in. And so by teaching once a month, it actually gives you time and me time a little bit of time to process what we've learned before we get another dose of it. Even though it takes a great t- deal of time to cover a whole book of the Bible, you know, it's, I, th- I think it's okay. I think it's all right that we learn it a little bit at a time. You don't know, have time to process it. So there could also be a downfall to it. And uh, that is if you come to this assembly and you only listen, but then you go home and you don't study, then you may not process it as well. You know, it may not do you any good. It may be like chewing your food, getting it through your mouth, but never having a stomach for it to completely go through, you know, something like that. But um, it takes the whole system of the body to process food and to gather the nutrients from it and to store it in the right places. And so it is with learning the Bible. I think we have to, you, you have to hear it. You need to meditate on it. You need to process what you've learned and you need to apply it in the right areas that it's so, so that it's beneficial for you. So I hope that's what you're doing as we go through the book of Ephesians. I hope you go home after the sermons and you spend a little time. You go back and over what you've learned and uh, making sure two things. Number one, that it's correct, that, that what I'm teaching is not you know, something that's man-made, but it's, it's straight from the Scriptures. And number two, that it becomes part of you. And uh, not that it's just some information that you've heard and then you've quickly forgotten i know for me when i study i can't just read something one time i actually have to you know go back and study it doesn't it doesn't just suddenly sink in with me and it's ingrained it has to make sense to me i have to understand it It has to become real to me and it has to be part of me and that's what i want it to do you know so keep that in mind as we study for whoever's teaching it doesn't matter whether it be me or matthew or jerry or arnold or whoever speaks take what they say uh, take it to heart. Take it home with you. Do a little, do a little research. Doesn't take that long. Spend 
15 minutes in the Scriptures, even after the, after the Sabbath day's over with or after the new moon's over with, go home, spend 15 or 20 more minutes and, and uh, just double check, walk behind somebody. Those of us who teach have done the bulk of the work for you. We've already, we've already done that. But there's still a requirement for you to digest it, to make it practical, to put it to use, and so on and so on. So when I get done preaching today, take some time, go through the course of the week to really dwell on the study today and to help it to sink in. And be Bereans and always do our part. Always do our part. We love Yahweh today. Amen. Yeah. I'm thankful for His instructions and His guidance in our life. I'm thankful for every word that He's given to us. So. With that being said, let's read Ephesians chapter 5. We'll be in verses 1 through 5. I want to read the first five verses and then we'll get into it. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 1, it says, Therefore be imitators of the Almighty as dearly loved children, and walk in love as the Messiah also loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to the Almighty. But sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not even be heard of among you, as is proper for saints. And coarse and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable, but rather given thanks. For no one recognized this, no sexually immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of the Messiah and of Yahweh. Now, the last time I taught, I forgot to tell you something about this section of verses. And so today, I want to do that before I start. These these five verses, this five-verse section of chapter 5, can be broken down into four parts. We covered two of the sections the last time I taught, and today we'll cover the other two sections. But before we get started through verses 3 through 5, I want to kind of give you an outline of the text. The first part in verse 1 is the plan. So if you write in your Bibles, like I said earlier, you might, you might want to do this. Outline verse 1 and write the word plan beside it. This is Yahweh's plan for us to be imitators of Him as dearly loved children. We went over this last time. I told you that we were to be perfect as Yahweh is perfect. Talking about practical perfection. In other words, we should conduct ourselves perfectly as Yahweh is perfect. That's the plan. That's the plan for us in our life. So outline verse 1 and write plan beside it. Next, I want you to outline verse 2, and beside, the, beside verse 2, I want you to write the word pattern. We talked about this last time as well, the true model of love and what it means to love. We talked about how Yahweh's love was not like the world's love, but rather it was a real love that was exhibited in His sacrifice of His own Son. We talked about how the prostitute washed the Messiah's feet with her hair, and she used the expensive oils in her efforts to show her love for the Messiah. It was a service. It was a service. Paul gives us the example, gives us the example of Yeshua giving himself as a sacrifice and a fragrant offering to Yahweh as a symbol of true love for us. So this is the pattern, the perfect pattern of love for one another, and this is the pattern we have been given to follow in verse two. So if you want to, you can write pattern beside verse two. Now next, I want, to talk, I want you to outline verses 3 and 4. And beside them, I want you to write the word perversion. We'll cover this in just a few minutes, but for now, if you, you have to trust me just a little bit, just write the word perversion beside verses 3 and 4. And then lastly, outline verse 5 and write beside that verse 
the word punishment. We're also going to cover that today, but for now, like I said, just trust me and write the word punishment beside verse 5. And I'll tell you this so that you will kind of have this in your mind as we go through these verses so, so you catch what I'm trying to relate to you. Now, these are the four P's. We have the plan. We have the pattern. I mean, we have the plan. We have the pattern. We have the perversion. And we have the punishment. The plan and the pattern part we discussed last time. And today we're going over the perversion and the punishment. When we read things in context, these kind of things will jump out at you. The more we read, the more we understand. Like I was saying a few minutes ago. You have to eat. And then you got to let it process. You gotta let that digest a little bit. It's the same way with any text within the scriptures. So keep the context in mind as we go through verses three through five. And let's see if we can get all of what Paul's trying to say into our minds, just as if he was standing here today. Let's look at verse three. It says this. It says, But sexual immor- Im- sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not even be heard of among you as is proper for saints. And let's stop there. To save some time, I want to give you some inside information it took me a while to come up with. Number one, context is key in understanding this passage as it is in any passage. But so we don't just read these words and get our own understanding based on the words used in our English translations. Maintain the context. It's very important right here. And the context here is the walk of love. We talked in a couple of sermons back, I talked about the different walks throughout chapter 5 and chapter 6 and things like that. And uh, the, the light walk, the love walk, things of that nature. So keep, keep in mind that the context here is the walk of love. Paul tells us in verse chapter 2 exactly what love looks like and exactly how it should be expressed throughout our daily lives. And the example he gives is the sacrifice. Now if I know anything about the Bible, I know that every time that Yahweh creates something good, Satan counterfeits it every single time. He's going to counterfeit it. Well, why would the way we are to love be any different? Why would it be any different? It wouldn't. So at first glance, at verse 3, it seems as if there's three things in view that Paul's dealing with. Sexual immorality, any impurity, and greed. It looks like three things there. However, I am of the persuasion, you do your homework here, but I am of the persuasion that these all pertain to sexual immorality. One one category, a bunch of things falling up underneath that category, okay? They're not three separate sins in verse 3, but one sin exhibited in many, in many different ways, okay? So not to get ahead of myself, but this would also include verse 4 as well. But we'll get to that in a second. So what is sexual immorality? The Greek word is porneia, and it means anything sexually immoral. It's a pretty pretty big big word it kind of covers a multitude of things okay anything sexually immoral homosexuality bestiality fornication prostitution pornography transvestites transgenders and anything else you can think of that is outside of the original design of men and women and their union that is sanctified through Yahweh by marriage anything outside of that we call that pornay okay This word includes anything the world has to offer in the sense of sexual immorality. Porneia is is an out-of-control desire for that which is not pure in a sexual sense. Hence the reason for the word impurity that follows in verse 3. So Paul says, but sexual immorality and any impurity. Anything that is not pure is not of Yahweh and it shouldn't be heard of among you. 
The word impurity in the Greek is the Greek word akatharsia, if I'm saying that right. And it means, I, I wouldn't be pointing out all these Greek words, but I believe they're important right here because there's some... Uh, there's a little bit of there's a little bit of uh, looseness, I guess, translated into the English. I, I think we lose some of it. Okay, so the the Greek word is akatharsia, and it means an uncleanness or filth. All right, the Messiah used the word in Matthew chapter twenty three and in verse twenty seven to describe the corpses in the whitewashed tombs. All right, he tells the Pharisees and the scribes that on the inside that they are they are wretched like the corpses in the tombs full of impurities. However, that is the only time that this word is used in reference to a common uncleanness. It's used 11 times total in the New Testament and the other 10 times it is used in reference to a sexual impurity. Every other time. All right? It's the vile rotten stench in Yahweh's nostrils that goes with sexual sin. Now let me remind you let me let now let me remind you that this this would include any kind of immoral thoughts or passions, desires, and ideas that go along with sex. Okay, the the world calls this love. Paul says that it's impure. See, Satan has a counterfeit. He always has a counterfeit. Yahweh has a pure love for a man and a woman that's good and it's wholesome. But Satan says, look at all these things that you can get involved with. This is much better. Look what I've got to offer. But brothers and sisters, love is not exhibited by pornography, orgies, scandalous dressed women and men, prostitution, same-sex companionship, or anything goes lifestyle. That's not the way love is exhibited. Love is exhibited by a pure sacrifice for the one Yahweh has given you. Whoever Yahweh has placed in your life, you sacrifice and you serve that one. That's the way that you exhibit your love for one another. Okay? Love is defined by service. It's not a feeling. Anything outside of that is pure, impure and is considered sexually immoral. And while we're talking about it, let me say this. This is for everyone, but especially for the young people in here. We've got some young teenage people in here. So um, let me say this. Sex outside of the marriage bed is called fornication. And it is a form of sexual immorality. Okay? So... And also, all that is accepted in the world today, everything that's accepted in the world today, anything goes. We see it all the time. I was talking to Kim on the way up here that um, things used to change, like people change style of clothes. You know, every you know three or four years, a new style of clothes would come in and what you had on wasn't in style anymore and things like that. Or people remodeled their house and, you know, the old uh, ducks and the, Farm style kitchens went out of style and, you know, when it was something new. But that's not the way it is anymore. Things change today. It's huge. People don't just change clothes or change their style in their house. We've got women becoming men. People change their genders or their fluid gender or whatever. I've heard more about that probably in the last year than I, I could ever imagine. You can't walk out and see your neighbor and say, well, that's Mr. or it might be Mrs. Smith. I'm not sure who he is today. You know, that's, it's, it's sad that the world is that way. It don't really uh, make a whole lot of sense to me, but that's the way it is, I guess. And anything that's accepted in the world today, homosexuality, transgenders, transvestites, non-gender people, and anything that pertains to that is considered impure. That's impure in Yahweh's sight. We shouldn't have any dealing with that as Christians, okay? 
Paul says that it shouldn't even be heard of among us. Look at the third thing that is mentioned in verse 3. It's greed. It says, But sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not even be heard of among you as is proper for saints. Now, I told you just a second ago that I thought impurity and greed were not separate sins that Paul has listed in the love walk section in chapter 5, but rather they are exhibits of sexual immorality. The word greed could obviously stand alone and be applied to other things. We could be greedy for money. We could be greedy for power. We could be greedy for houses. There's a lot of things that greed can be applied for, applied to. But in this particular context, the Greek word used is pleonexia, and it is most likely talking about a greediness in the sense of covetousness. Okay? Do you remember what Exodus chapter 20 and verse 17 says? Yes. It says, Do not covet thy neighbor's house, and do not covet thy neighbor's what? Wife. 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 All right? That's a possibility. People covet other people's wives. People covet other people's husbands. People covet other men, other women. That's part of it. The whole intention of pornography in the world today is to cause someone to lust after something that they don't have. Something that they don't get. Something that's foreign to them, but it's appealing to them. That's the idea of pornography. Brothers and sisters, don't you know that Satan trapped Eve in this very manner? In this very manner. He offered her something that she didn't have. That she couldn't have. So if we ever get bold and think that we could have done a little bit better job than Adam and Eve did in the garden and we wouldn't have failed, then ask yourself, what trap do you fall in today desiring and coveting something that you don't have? That you don't have. It's a, it's a pretty common thing. So here in verse 3, I believe the word greed is one type of exhibition of a sexual and moral person. Remember that it's not the pattern that we're reading about here. The example are suppo- the example we are supposed to follow. No, the pattern is in verse 2. This is the perversion. This is what's wrong, okay? The world we live in today is completely removed from Yahweh's standard. It is filthy, it is greedy, it is defiled, and it is not holy. It is not set apart. The, the list of the sexual and moral things could go on and on. I'm not sure that I could tell you all the things that are sexually immoral. I don't even know that I know all of them. I don't know all the practices. I don't even know that I've ever even heard of all the sexual and moral practices that go on. So I won't make a big detailed list. However, whatever they are, I don't want anything to do with them. I don't want anything to do with them. And I sure don't want to be named among the people. I don't want those things to be named among the people that I congregate with. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1, Paul says this. He says, It is widely reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and the kind of sexual immorality that is not even condoned among the Gentiles. Then in verse 5, he says this. He says, Turn that one over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. Folks, we're not to congregate with people like that. Verse 9 and following says this. It says, I wrote to you in a letter, Paul's writing to him. He says, I wrote to you in a letter to not to associate with sexually immoral people. By no means referring to the world's immoral people or to the greedy and the swindlers or to the idolaters. Otherwise, you would have to leave the world. 
But now I am writing writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name brother, who is sexually immoral or greedy or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or a swindler. Do not even eat with such a person. For what is it to me to judge outsiders? Do you not judge those who are inside? But Yahweh judges outsiders. Put away the evil person from among yourselves. Folks, Paul says if a person considers himself a brother, a believer, but he practices sexual immorality, to not even eat with him. Not even eat with him. Don't even dine with the man. He says he's not talking about the world in this context. He's not talking about those outside the church. He says because if that's the case, you'd have to come completely out of the world. He's not talking about them. But he's talking about those who consider themselves Yahweh's people. If they're sexually immoral, you don't even dine with them. You don't even eat with them. We shouldn't have any part in the counterfeit love that Satan has to offer. We serve a holy master. We don't serve the counterfeit. Okay? Everybody follow me? We're all in the same boat? Let's look at verse 4. It says, In coarse and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable, but rather giving thanks. By now we should have the context nailed down here in this, in this section of verses. And of course it has not changed. It's still the same. Here are some other attributes or illustrations of sexual immorality. No sexual jokes. No vulgar talk. And no filthy speech with a backdrop of sex. Okay? How often is a joke told that has to do with something that alludes to some sexual innuendos? All the time. All the time. Well, it's not permissible. It's crude joking. And it's considered sexually immoral by our Lord. It's not edifying. And it shouldn't be heard of among us. When we see two homosexuals in the world, we shouldn't laugh. We should grieve. We shouldn't make jokes about that kind of stuff, but rather be saddened. Okay? Now, I'm guilty of this. I've told plenty of dirty jokes in my life, in my past. I'm not proud of them, but I've done it. Okay? I'm guilty of this. I thought it was comical or I thought it was funny. But it's not. It's no good in the eyes of Yahweh. It's no good. Folks, I'm probably stepping on toes teaching on this block of verses. But look, it stepped on my toes the whole time that I was studying, studying it. I'm guilty of this. But I'm just teaching the text and I'm trying to apply them. Okay? If someone blasphemed Yahweh's name in this assembly, there's a good chance that we would ask the people to leave. We wouldn't have it. Okay? May even lay hands on somebody and escort them out of this assembly. We wouldn't put up with the blaspheming of Yahweh's name in this church. And I don't think that you should. I think that that would be the thing to do. I'm just saying, if that was the case, if somebody blasphemed Yahweh's name, we'd lay hands on them and probably remove them from the congregation. But Paul says, if anyone bears the name and is sexually immoral, to remove them too. To not congregate with them. You don't eat with them. Okay? But instead, we laugh at their jokes. Let's don't draw lines in Yahweh's Word and only practice what's convenient to us. Let's, Let's abide by all of Yahweh's words. The crude joking and the coarse and foolish talking needs to be repented of if it's something that you struggle with in your life. You need to stop. You need to stop. You need to get rid of it. Paul says, rather than all the foolishness, give thanks. Give thanks. Now, I'm, not, I'm somewhat perplexed about what give thanks means contextually here. I'm not sure exactly what he's talking about. But maybe giving thanks for the grace that he's shown us and not allowing us to be a homosexual or an adulterer, adulterer or a fornicator. 
maybe we should give thanks for that. Possibly he's talking about giving thanks for the wife, giving thanks for the wives and the husbands that we have that are good wives, that are good husbands. Okay. Maybe we give thanks for them rather than looking at someone else's spouse with a covetous heart. Okay. I'm not sure exactly what it means. Maybe somebody can enlighten me after the sermon. If somebody has an idea, studied this before me. I, I studied it and studied it and studied it. I couldn't come up with I, I, I'm not sure that I'm sure. Okay. So uh, maybe it's just giving thanks, you know, as something productive rather than participating in something defiled. Like I said, I'm not positive. I'm not nailed down on one, diff, one specific understanding. However, I am super sure about what verse 5 says. Super sure. Let's read that one. It says, For know and recognize this, no sexually immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Yahweh. None of them. None of them. Now, I don't know about you, but these words scare me to death. They scare me to death. As I have been studying for the last couple of sermons, I have been convicted throughout every single verse in chapter 5. Every single one of them has convicted me. The first four uh, verses have challenged me and they have left me condemned. Every single one of them. Then I finally get to verse 5 and it leaves me doomed. Okay? It leaves me doomed. I am guilty of almost everything that Paul tells to forsake to be imitators of Yahweh. You don't have to be a prostitute prostitute to be sexually immoral guys you don't have to be a homosexual to be sexually immoral that's that's those aren't the only requirements i i I hope that i'm the only one that i'm this guilty in here but i'm not sure that i am so so i get to verse five and it and it leaves me kind of all upset i'm guilty of everything now as i told you when we started the sermon today there are four parts to these five verses the plan is verse one the pattern in verse 2, the perversion in verses 3 and 4, and now the punishment in verse 5. The punishment for being guilty of these things that I have described in verse 3 and 4 is separation from Yahweh. Paul says, for know and recognize this. In other words, make no mistake about it. Make no mistake about this. Make sure you understand what I'm about to say. No sexually immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of the Messiah and with Yahweh. None of them. Folks, that's detrimental. And don't sugarcoat it. If it stings, let it sting. I've been burning for a while. Let it, let it sting. Let it sting. He says, if you practice sexual immorality or the laughing and joking about such, your part is not in the kingdom. You don't have an inheritance among the saints. I don't think I have to explain this, but I will anyways. If you practice such things as these, then the spirit that works in the disobedient is still at work in you. You're letting your flesh overrun your spiritual man. If you're involved in sexual immorality, then you are at odds with Yahweh and you are a foreigner, not a citizen of Yahweh's kingdom. You are excluded from the citizenship and you are worldly without hope. Your end is destruction and there is only one way out. You must repent. You must repent. I'm not saying this to be hard. I'm just telling you what Paul's telling you. We've been given great things. We've been given a great name. We're heirs to the kingdom. We're heirs of Yahweh. We're we're called the sons and daughters of Yahweh. We've been given great names. 
We have a great destiny, an eternal destiny, a, a, a destiny that doesn't fade, that doesn't perish. We have an eternal destiny. We have an amazing inheritance. We have a kingdom inheritance. We have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of Yahweh. But if we act as the world acts, these things are not ours. These things are not ours. This is the way we're supposed to walk. We are to be imitators of Yahweh. We are to love like the Messiah loved in sacrifice and in deed. That's the way love is to be exhibited. Not, not in physical affection. That's not love. It's not that that's not okay. It's not that you can't have physical affection. But that's not how you display love. It's not that way. Okay? Love is, love is, is, is um, exhibited in sacrifice and in service. Okay? We're not, to be, we're not to be sexually moral, greedy, impure, and we're not to talk or joke about such things. And it's not to even be heard of among us. Saints, I beg you, if you find yourself in this situation today, please repent. If any of, if, if any of what we have covered today pertains to you, rid yourself of your filth and beg Yahweh's forgiveness. Because when we fail, we do have an advocate with the Father. If, if we ask, He is merciful and He will forgive us. But we must first repent. We've got to turn from our ways, okay? His mercies are new every morning. Sing the song a while ago. His mercies are new every morning. Yahweh is gracious. He is a gracious, mighty one. But we, but we must be honest when we search our hearts. If it's wicked, you call it wicked. If you, if you know your heart of hearts, you know yourself better than anybody next to Yahweh. If you search your heart and you find it wicked, you call it wicked. Don't lie to yourself. Don't lie to yourself. Don't be in denial and assume that just because your peers act one way that it's okay for you to do the same thing. Don't do that. The only person that hurts, that suffers from you lying, is is you. You're the one that's going to pay for that. Okay? If if I take a spelling test and I spell apple wrong, A-P-L-O-R, and I say, now that looks good to me. You know what I mean? I'm just lying to myself. I'm going to be illiterate the rest of my life just because I won't tell myself the truth. Apple's not spelled that way. If, you're, if, you, if you struggle with sexual immorality, repent of your sins. Change your ways. Do your best to come out of it. Okay? Rid yourself of the filth and cling to the grace of Yahweh. Repent. His mercies are new every morning. As I close, I hope that I'm the only one who has struggled with these verses that we've covered today. I really do. I hope that I'm the only person in here that's ever had a problem with any of this. But I'm pretty pretty sure that I'm not. If you find yourself guilty of one of these or all of these, go home. Repent of your ways that don't align up with Scripture. And put to practice the things that do. Remember that Yeshua is our example. He is the perfect pattern to the desired plan of Yahweh. If we follow Him, he, if He's our target and we keep our eyes on Him, we won't miss. We won't miss. The plan of Yahweh is beautiful. The pattern He gave us to follow is absolutely perfect. Don't get caught up in the perversion of it which leads to the punishment that's everlasting. I don't know about you, but I want to seek first the kingdom. So I'm going to repent. I'm going to do my best to avoid the punishment of the perversion of sexual immorality. And I'm going to heed Paul's warning here that the kingdom does not belong to such as these. I hope you'll join me and seek ye first the kingdom of Yahweh. Let's close and pray. Yahweh Father, I thank you for uh, I thank you for the ones that have gone before us. 
Father, I thank you for Paul, and I thank you for this writing to the uh, to the Ephesian people. Father, I'm thankful that you laid all this stuff out through the words of Paul that we can that we can learn, that we can grow, we can recognize our faults, like Paul said in in uh, I guess it's Romans seven that he didn't even know what uh, to covet meant until till the law sprang up. Father, so when we learn these things, I pray that you uh, I pray that you would help us to understand what these what these commands are and the, the demands that you give us. Father, help us to understand them. Help us to repent of them if we find them in our life. And Father, get rid of them and, and walk in a new list of life so that we may enjoy the kingdom that is that is prepared for us. Father, that that um, we may glorify you in our in our walk and in our actions. Father, we love you so much. I'm so thankful for your son. I'm thankful for, for the way that you provided that we may become perfect through him father i'm thankful for your your means to to set a set aside a sacrifice i'm thankful for your creation i'm thankful for all that you've done you're such a mighty one father we love you so very much father i just pray that you would bless these people as they go home and keep them keep them safe let us return next sabbath for uh, to congregate again together to always be mindful of you and your commands and and uh, what you would have us to do and your desire for us in our lives, Father. We give you all the praise today. We give you all the glory. We ask all these things in your holy and precious Son's name. Amen.